All right, so this week we are going to be following up last week's sermon, which was Dwight, our worship pastor, talking about why we worship. Um, He kind of gave us some foundational truths to the reasons behind our corporate worship together here. Um, You know, I think it's really easy for us to just come in and think, oh, we're just singing songs again. You know, it's what we do just to fill the time. Um, But Dwight was really able to, to hit home with some of the truths that God's Word talks about. Um, One of the foundational truths being that whenever we worship, we get a glimpse of what eternity is going to be like. Um, You know, eternity, we'll we'll be able to see Jesus face to face as he is. Um, Right now, we all see glimpses of Jesus in in certain ways in his Word, but we're so distracted by the things of this world um, that it's really hard for us to uh, sometimes worship him. And it takes us really focusing our our heart and our mind on him. But in eternity, none of that distraction is going to exist. And so we're going to be able to passionately worship him like never before. Um, The other thing he he told us was that worship is a a foundational way that we are filled with the Spirit. And uh, to be filled with the Spirit is is to be filled by his, his power and his grace to live the victorious Christian life. Um, without the infilling of the Spirit, um, there's no way that we can, we can do this life. I mean, there's so much being bombarded at us every single day that it's so essential for us to be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that was kind of what Dwight talked about last week. This week we'll be following that up with why we serve. Um, it's another kind of um, topic that we talk about a lot. I think we, we talk about serving teams or, or serving a lot of the times, but it's really easy for, I think, the word to lose its value, and we just become desensitized to it. Um, it's, it's really hard for me myself, me myself, is that a double, double positive? I don't know. It's really hard for me to remember the reason behind serving. Um, I, I work at a church, and so often I, I can feel like it's just, it's my job. Like, I, I get paid to serve. And that is, has such a terrible view of serving. So I know if it's hard for me to see, to see serving with, with godly eyes, then it's probably hard for you guys too. And so today we're going to dive into some of the um, foundational truths as to why uh, God has called us to serve and, and the reasoning behind that. Um, you know, I'd, I want to give you guys a glimpse into just my, my natural state, my, my own selfishness. Um, because I can be extremely selfish at times. And, um, you know, I remember growing up, I was probably 13 or 14 years old, and every single weekend, my parents would ask me Saturday morning to do the yard. That was just kind of my responsibility, and, and it was an expectation, but I would try to avoid it as much as possible. Like, I would go downstairs, and I'd be making breakfast, and my parents would come in and be like, oh, no eye contact, no eye contact. I would try to avoid it as much as possible because I was just, I was lazy. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And so every single morning, my mom would come in and say, Kaylin, are you going to mow the lawn today? And I'd say, yeah, yeah, of course. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I promise. So I'd you know, get my yard clothes on. It'd be like 9 o'clock. But then I'd be like thinking, I just ate, and I need my food to settle. Isn't there like a 30-minute rule or something? Yeah, yeah, there's a 30-minute rule. It's like swimming. And so I'll just I'll, I'll do it here in a little bit. And so I'd, I'd start watching my, my Saturday morning shows, because there's some good ones. 
or at least there used to be. I don't know if there still are. Start watching the shows. It'd be probably noon by the time I would think about it again. And I'd think, you know what? I need to eat lunch now. It's lunchtime. So I'd have to eat. And then you got the 30-minute rule again. You got to wait it out. And then probably around 3 o'clock, I would start thinking, man, I really need to get after the yard. But I'd be in the middle of a really intense game of Halo. I'm like, man, if I don't beat this right now, I know I'm never going to beat it again. I got to do it right now. And so I'd push it off even more. And it'd be like before maybe, what, what time does it get dark in the summer? Like 8 o'clock? So it'd be just before sunset. I'm like, oh, shoot, if I don't go do the yard, I'm going to be in so much trouble. And so I'd finally get out there and get after it. Sometimes I would have like a, a headlamp on doing the yard because I'd waited so long. So my natural attitude towards serving is laziness, procrastination, and selfishness. Um, that is just who I am in my uh, ungodly state. And so one Saturday, I remember, I was doing the yard, and it was probably around, I think I, I did a good job that day. It was probably around 3 o'clock by the time I had got out there. But it was super, super hot. Like, okay, 3 o'clock in the middle of the summer, and it's 100 degrees outside and like 85% humidity, and you just open the door and pff, you're drenched in sweat. Like, that's, that's Houston, Houston summers. And so it was one of those kind of days. It was 3 o'clock, hottest part of the day. And I'm just covered in sweat, dirt, grime, grass clippings, and I'm really thirsty. And so I knock on the back door. My sister's inside. And I say, hey, can you get me a glass of water? I'm really thirsty. And she said, sure. So I went back out and continued doing my yard work. And I, a few minutes later, she walks outside and she has a glass of water for me. And so I take the glass and I drink. It is the most lukewarm, nastiest tap water I had ever tasted. And so I was a little frustrated. You know, I was like, man, I'm out here doing all this hard work and you're inside in the nice AC. Couldn't you at least like put some ice in the water? What? But you know what? I'm a Christian. And so I think about what the right thing to do is. And I totally disregard it, and I throw the water right in her face. She is soaked. Um, yeah, I'm a jerk. You guys can boo at me. Boo hiss. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was a real big jerk move. Um, but that, that kind of gives you a glimpse into just my, who, who Kaylin can be whenever I'm not walking in the Spirit, like we talked about earlier, being filled by the Spirit. Um, I can just be so selfish when it comes to serving and just thinking about my own needs and my own wants and my own desires. Um, and what I've realized over the past several years is that unless God does a miracle inside of my heart, I'll never want to serve anyone but myself. It, it, it is a work of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone for our hearts to change, to have a desire to serve others. Because we're that's just how human beings are. We're naturally selfish people. And so if, if it's required, if it's a requirement of us wanting to serve for God to do the work, then we should probably ask God in his word what he says about serving. How, do we, how does that miracle take place in our hearts? And so with that, we're going to be in Revelation 4 today. Last week we were in Revelation 4 as well, but talking about why we worship this week why we serve. So Revelation 4, verse 1, Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, 
and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here, and I'll show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian. All right, so I had to look up what jasper and carnelian are. I had no idea. And so I want to show you guys. Let me see that picture of jasper. It's a pretty little gemstone. Carnelian. Okay, so it says the one sitting on the throne was like this jasper and carnelian. So he's like glowing this reddish, orangish, orangish? Is that another word? I don't know. He's glowing red-orange, and I, I envision kind of like the sun. In other places, it says that his face shone like the sun. And so it's saying that, that Jesus is sitting on the throne, and he's glowing like these beautiful gemstones. And then it says, and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. So show me the emerald. So just this beautiful green glow is like emanating from Christ sitting on his throne. It says, 24 thrones surrounded him, and 24 elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. And in front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. And day after day, and night after night, they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. And whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. So there's, there's a lot of kind of tough imagery in here. And I had a, a very hard time kind of wrapping my head around what, what this scene is looking like. And so I had to spend some time just in my imagination ro rolling through what it's saying here. And so I want us to do the same thing here this morning. I want you guys to go ahead and close your eyes. Everyone close your eyes. And I want us to use our imagination here to try and try and get a grasp of what's going on in this scene. So imagine that, that you are standing in heaven in this scene. You're standing right next to John. Are you there right now? You're standing on a sea of glass. And in front of you, there's a, a giant throne, like as big as this student building. And Christ is sitting on the throne, but you can't even make out his face because he's shining so brightly. He's glowing red and orange like, like the sun and do you, do you see the green glow surrounding Jesus there? Do you see the lightning bolts shooting out from him? Can you feel the rumble of thunder as the ground shakes? And there in front of him are, are these four colossal angels, each like as big as an elephant with massive wings spreading out. And then surrounding the giant throne of Jesus, there are 24 thrones 
with these men who, who look kind of like Gandalf or Dumbledore. They're just old bearded dudes in white clothes. And they have these beautiful crowns sitting on their heads. And they're, they're sitting there with their eyes just fixed on Jesus in awe. So are you there with me right now? So keep imagining, keep imagining. So you're standing there, you're just, just blown away by what you see, and then you see the angels move, and they take off. They begin flying around Jesus, circling his throne. The ground shakes even more, and there's lightning striking all around you, and the angels don't just monotonely say, God, you're holy. No, they shout it almost like they're crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty. He existed from eternity past. He's still here now, and he will always be here. He's holy, And these angels are so overcome by the majesty of God that they can't stop saying it. They keep on crying, holy, holy, holy. And when the elders hear this, they're they're overcome by how incredible God is. And they fall out of their chairs onto their faces in worship of Jesus. And they take off those beautiful crowns they've been given and they, they lay them at the feet of Jesus in worship. And you can open your eyes. That that is the scene that we're given here. This is not just some, some religious routine that's happening. This is a passionate worship service. The passion that is displayed here by these angels is, is amazing. It says that day after day and night after night, they keep on saying. So we have day after day, we have night after night, and they keep on what that saying is, they're, they're never stopping. 24-7, 365, these angels keep on crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty One. Now, the word holy means to be set apart. And so these angels, these angels are saying, God, you are, you are infinitely set apart from everything that we know, everything that we are. You are altogether lovely. You're altogether glorious, They're saying God is so set apart. He is so perfect. He is so holy. And so they're constantly crying this out. And it says that any time that the angels cry out, holy, 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 any time the elders fall out of their thrones onto their faces and give glory to God. And so if you put two and two together, 24-7, 365, these angels are crying out to God, meaning 24-7, 365, these elders are falling out of their chairs. What's the point of having the throne in the first place or the crown in the first place? All they keep doing is falling out of their thrones, laying their crowns before Jesus. It doesn't make any sense. It's the, the, angels, the angels are crying out. They're, they're standing there. These elders are sitting here. You know, like, like we think of elders, like real noble, like, you know, Gandalf here. The angels cry out, holy, holy, holy. And these elders, they, they go, oh, he's so holy, he's so holy. And they lay their crowns down and they get back up. They're like, oh, okay, okay. Oh, he's holy, he's so holy. And they get back down and they come back up. Oh, he's holy, he's holy. And they get back down and they keep laying these crowns before the feet of Christ. They never stop. And so why... Why are they given these crowns? Why do they have these crowns in the first place? Why do they have these thrones in the first place? If all they're going to do is just fall out of them 
and take the crowns off. There's got to be a purpose to it. I would say the purpose of those crowns and of the throne is that Jesus gave them to those elders so that they had something beautiful to give back to Christ in worship and in service. Jesus gave those elders the crowns. He gave them the, th- the throne to honor them, yes. To bless them, yes. But primarily so that they had something beautiful and honorable to give back to Christ in worship and in service. Luke 12, 48, this is Jesus talking. He says, you know, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. And everything that we are given is given to us to glorify God. Our money, our time, our physical abilities, our talents, our families, Everything that we're given is given to us to lay back at the throne of Jesus in service. And these elders don't just, they're not going through a religious routine here like we talked about. This is, they're overcome with passion. Hearing the voices of of these angels that are just crying out, holy They're crying it out day and night, and these elders are just overcome, and they look for every single opportunity they can to fall out of their throne and give the crown to Christ. And so if if these elders are looking for every opportunity, let's bring it back home. What gifts has God given you? He's given us all gifts. We're all alive right now? Do you realize that the next breath, that was a gift from God to me. And that one too. Every single breath that you're given is a gift from God, given to you so that you can glorify him. For those of us who are Christians, who are Christ followers, who have made Jesus our Lord and Savior. He's given us the greatest gift of all, salvation, where we can spend an eternity with him, enjoying him forever, as opposed to an eternity separated from him in hell. It's the most amazing gift of all time. For all you athletes out there, what about your physical abilities? You guys can do things that that I can't do. I'm an old guy, but that doesn't matter. What about you, you artists? Your ability to draw or to paint? Or you musicians? Ability to, to play music, to sing? What about your emotional abilities? Like so many of you guys have emotional abilities that I'll never have. Your ability to, to lead others or to make people feel welcome or... Maybe your ability to to love those who are hurting and broken. What about the gift of your experiences? God has given each of you unique experiences in your life that he has given to you so that you can use those 
to glorify God. And so if, you've, if you, for example, have been given the gift of, of teaching, if teaching others comes really naturally to you, whenever you recognize how worthy Jesus is, like those elders did, the only natural response that you have is to say, oh my God, Jesus, you are incredible. Well, let's look at Mark 10, 42 to 45. So Jesus called them together and said, Now you know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many." So Jesus, the, the infinite creator of all time, came to earth, lived as a man, was the greatest example of leadership that we have ever seen in the history of mankind or ever was. And what he's saying true leadership is, he's saying true leadership is sacrificial service. And it goes totally against what everything in the world will tell you today. I mean, look at, um, look at our political leaders, our recent political madness that happened. Look at our, um, our business leaders. Look at our, our leaders on sports teams. The world will tell you that leadership is, is dominating other people. It'll tell you that, that leadership is getting others to serve you, getting others to do what you want. I'll tell you that leadership is just being the loudest and the most confident, even if you're wrong. Jesus is saying, that's not true leadership. That, that's what the world will tell us today, and that's what the world was telling the disciples 2,000 years ago. And so Jesus knew that, and he said, look, fellas, look, guys, I, I know what the world is telling you about leadership. I know that your examples of, of leaders in this world are, are the, the Roman emperors and governors who are just brutal and demanding. And under your other examples are these, these Jewish Pharisees who are hypocritical and, and just trying to get everyone to serve them, saying, but you, you have to do it the other way. You have to be opposite of the world. If you want to be a leader, become everyone else's slave. Like, that's, that's crazy talk. Jesus, are you sure you meant to say slave? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, if, if I am, if I'm always the, the lowliest servant in the room. I'm just going to get walked all over. Jesus, don't you know that? I'm never going to get anywhere in life. Like, servants don't, don't get ahead. Well, Jesus understood that true leadership, true leadership in the kingdom and in life has to do with humbling yourself and lifting other people up. And it goes totally opposite of everything that the world will tell you. But we know this to be true. Like in our heart of hearts, we know that, that service is the greatest leadership. I mean, just look at, look at your teachers. How many of you guys would like a teacher to be domineering, to just yell at you when you do wrong things? to make you do everything that you can to serve them, 
Like to get mad at you for doing stupid mistakes. Like none of us want teachers like that. We know that to be true. We want teachers who are humble and gracious and who will lift us up, who will take the time after school to, to walk with us through difficult concepts. That is, is real leadership, and we know it to be true because that's what we want. But for some reason, the world has deceived us into thinking that, okay, we want everyone else to be servants like that, but I can't be a servant or else I'm not going to get anywhere. But Jesus knows the real answer. The greatest leaders in this world are the greatest servants. So going back to my story from earlier where I was a jerk and threw water at my sister's face, how would, how would my responses be different if I understood my identity was as a servant leader? Well, I, I think it would, a lot of things would have been different. Um, first of all, I would have gotten up early in the morning and gone out and done the yard before anyone had even asked me to. Because I would have been eager to serve my family. And then when my sister brought me the nasty tap water, I would have just been grateful that she, she came and served me in some way. She could have totally ignored me. But yet my own pride and selfishness blinded me from all of that, and I was just thinking about how people could serve me. Which is consequently why I was not a very good leader in my house. And so learn from my mistakes. Learn from my mistakes that true leadership starts in your home by sacrificial service. If you're a leader somewhere outside of your home, but yet you're not leading your, your family by serving them, then there's a little bit of a fraudulent leadership going on here. Because you're one way outside of home, and you're totally different at home. And so if you want to lead with integrity, it has to start at home. And you can do that today. Like if, if you just went home today and did the dishes without being asked, or did the yard without being asked or helps your brother and sister with their homework without even being asked. Like your parents would think that, that aliens had abducted you and that there was an imposter. Like you would just blow them away. And that, that would be fun to see, like them being shocked. But the main point is that then you would be leading your family. You would be growing in how to lead your family in that by serving them. So... Leadership starts at the home through sacrificial service. That's foundational. So what's the next layer? If we have a leadership, servant leadership cake, like a wedding cake, so it's tiered, the bottom layer is leading at home through service. I think the next layer has to be if we want to lead in the kingdom, if we want to lead in God's kingdom, we have to do it his way, which is through his local church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. He didn't say, I will build my Christian evangelistic TV program and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And he didn't say, I'll build my water well missions organization. He said, I will build my church. And those things are, are great organizations and do good things. But it's not Jesus' main vehicle to reach the entire world with the gospel. 
the main vehicle is the local church. And so if we want to lead in the kingdom like, like Jesus has called us to, it has to begin in our home. But then the next level, it has to, we have to be leading some way within his church, which is his main vehicle for reaching the nations. And if Jesus' main vehicle to reach the nations is the local church, that means his main vehicle to reach North Houston, the Woodlands, Spring, Tomball, your community, his main vehicle is Woods Edge, since you're here right now, or whatever church you may be at. Wherever your home church is, that's, that's his main vehicle to reach your community. And so find ways to partner with what Jesus is doing. Just a great rule of life is just to find out what God is doing and to get on board. Don't try and pave your own way because God knows it all and he's figured it all out. And so his plan is the local church. And so find ways to partner in that by serving and leading in the church. And beyond that, so we start with, with our home. We go to our church and it has to go out to our, our schools and our, our work. We can't be leading people in our schools and our work or our sports teams or, or our drama team or whatever you're on. You can't be leading them if you're not serving them. It's just how it is. It's how God set it up. So today we've talked about the foundational reasons behind uh, serving. And I think that First of all, if it doesn't start with an attitude of, of Jesus, you are just infinitely worthy. And I see how much grace you've given me and how many good gifts you've given me. How can I give those back to you in worship? I think that's, that's the, first, the first way that, that we can have our hearts be changed to see service for what it is as the good gift that it is. And then I think that Secondly, we, we have to understand that, that true leadership can only happen through sacrificial service to others. So as we, we close here today, um, I just want to lead you guys in a few things to pray about. You know, if all we do is, is hear the Bible or we hear songs, but yet our heart isn't engaged in it, then it's a waste of time. And so choose right now to engage in what God is doing in your heart. So bow your heads with me.